You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I want to apologize ahead of time. Um, I'm not ahead of time. Actually, it's right on time. You can probably hear the rain in the background. Um, that's because it's raining. <laughs> it's like Simon pointed us the third Monday in a row that it's been raining. It's rainy season, as we always point out. And so it just is what it is. So excuse the background noise, but hopefully you can hear us well enough to be able to follow along with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So everybody good? Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, you How felt, are you? I felt like it was going to go. Like, you're going to say something else. Yeah? Is that a question? Or? No, it was like a yeah, but I almost yawned. So oh. Like, yeah. Huh, I don't know if I've ever almost yawned. <laughs> like, oh, now you're yawning. I stopped it. It looks like it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. No. So, everybody good? So, we're good. Had a good week? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Wait, what? Nothing. You think you're going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing, right? doesn't look like yeah, she's Yeah, she looked really happy when she said yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was reading if you smile more, you, you like your brain is believes that you're just happy or Wait. like lifts your mood. I'm not like in a bad mood, but it's not necessarily perky and happy and like if you smile more, your brain <laughs> believes you're in a good mood. Yeah, it sends signals to your brain that okay. All right. that you're in a good mood. But like I said, I'm not in a bad mood. It's just Trying to lift the mood. Trying to lift it, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Are we in a bad mood? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> what mood are you trying to lift? <laughs> Mine. All right. Well, keep it up. Keep it up. So, anyway, we've been talking about the phases of ministry. Um, sorry, my nose is a little stopped up, so I'm talking like through my nose, mouth. What I don't know why they say that. Talking through my nose. That's not true. Anyways, um, so yeah, we've done phase one, two, three, and now we're on the final phase, phase four. And this is really where we're going. This is what we want to, where we want to get to, as a ministry. And um, yeah, yeah, it's like our our long term goal of where we want to be able to take Red Roots and and not, it's, this is not just Red Roots to be honest with you. This is the church, and this is where we want to take just ministry in general. And every since here, here where, where we're working, and so. Um, first, we'll talk about the church. Um, the goal in phase four is. We want to um, be able to plant other churches. Um, we're a long ways away from that right now, but that's the goal. <laughs> but <laughs> excuse me, everything feeds into that. We're talking about uh, phase one, solid church leadership, um, writing and developing materials to build up people and kind of coach people up, disciple people in the church. Um, the institute and grow the church and then help support other churches establish and develop the institute and whatever all that stuff Um, we want to do that more we want to do that and that leads us up to planting other churches and so um, planting other churches obviously would mean us sending out leaders to start churches but also it doesn't always have to be like us planting a church we could help other people other organizations and stuff that are planning that planting churches or wanting to plant churches were you going to say something? no okay um, and so, yeah, that's the goal of that is we, you know, we believe that Jesus called us to be disciples that make disciples, go and make disciples. Who's he said that to his disciples? And he says, teach them what I've taught you. Well, what has he taught them? Discipleship of discipling people to make disciples. And so we believe that, um, we make disciples that make disciples and those disciples plant churches who plant churches. And so 
We want to be a church that is, um, again, every church doesn't have to have our name and the person doesn't have to necessarily come from it. We want to participate in church plants. Maybe that's the better way to say it. We definitely want to plant our own churches, um, but we all we want to participate in church plants. We want to see um, the growth of, of the kingdom of God. We want to see that, you know, come to fruition and into where it's supposed to be. And so to where God has, has it planned for, to be. And so, um, yeah, so that's that. Anything to add? Nobody? All right. Community center level is um, want to do refuge and a shelter for uh, abused women and refugees. And so um, we talked about having a community garden, um, then uh, having courses and a clothing pantry and sports programs, kids breakfast programs, computer labs and all that stuff. But um, the ultimate, one of the ultimate goals in that, we want to have all that, but the ultimate goals would have a shelter or refuge for, um, for abused women and refugees. So abuse is a big deal here. And I think we've talked about this before, but it's a, it's a very, um, I guess you could say it's taboo, but like a lot of women are abused. And it's almost also become like, almost become like a normalized thing or whatever. Um, so yeah, um, ab- abuse is a very normal thing here. It happens in uh, churches with church leaders and pastors and things like that. Um, and I've mentioned before that we know people personally who are, I mean, there's one lady that comes to our church now. Um, her husband is apparently a raging alcoholic and, uh, you know, he's been abusive and stuff like that. And she actually just pressed charges against him. So he's moved out and she, she's been coming to church. He would come periodically or whatever, but it was, yesterday they both showed up and <laughs> like, obviously they didn't sit together. But they were, you know, they both came, which is a cool thing in, in a sense, but just, just, it's like something's boiling underneath the whole time. And, and, but that's very, very normal. And there's so many women that are fearing for their lives in their house, but they don't have their own means of income. And their husband has been the provider, the breadwinner, whatever you want to call it. And so they find themselves in positions where there's nothing, they can't go anywhere. They can't, you know... And then there's like machista culture as well that exists. And like there's one lady, her husband is abusive. He's an alcoholic. He cheats on her regularly. Um, she wants to leave him. Her mother is, tells her that she just needs to learn to submit. And, you know, just foolishness, right? And they have, they have three kids. And so that's another factor is, you know, you want to take, they want to take the kids and get away, but they can't. There's no money. There's no resources, nowhere to go. There's no place that can provide protection and stuff like that for them. So we would like to provide that. It's just something that's, uh, that happens way, way too often. And there have been a lot of secular organizations. And um, I think I, I know of one Christian organization that ch- kind of tries to fight against that, at least bring awareness. Um, but um, Here in Trinidad? No, 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 no. Oh, just okay. in Bolivia. Sorry, yeah. In Bolivia altogether. In Trinidad, I don't think there's anyone who, I mean... I know the, I know most of the churches here aren't helping with this because most of the churches are participating. A lot of these guys are beating their wives and stuff like that. And so, like I shouldn't say most, but there is probably a good amount of of that. And so, I know it's, it's a it's a huge need, and it's something that has not is not currently being addressed on at, from um, from the church as a whole on that scale. And so, um, and not just because no one's doing it, but because it's a need. Like you know, it's a life, and women get killed. Like they call it in Spanish, it's called femicide. Is what it's called. Is when you you know abuse to murder and stuff like that. It's it's a it's a really big issue here in Bolivia, and and the government has different um, politicians have tried to address it and bring it up, and, and mostly women, right? Um, bring attention to it and try to fight against it, but it's hard because it's something that's been going on for generations and generations, and people 
have somewhat become convinced that it's okay. And so that's, so that's a huge project. It's also a huge need. Um, yeah, I feel like last year um, the movement to bring awareness towards that, um, um, they, they did a really good job at it because, you know, they, they did statistics. I can't remember the statistics, but... Um, um, and you saw it in the newspapers on tweets and, you know, it was just getting... Uh, viewed publicly you know it's and as Ramon said it's taboo but to, to the fact that uh, media outlets are talking about it that politicians are, are talking about it um, that the general population is talking about it it's it's a step you know yeah and it, that, I agree with that it's a step but does it feel like there's a step to the woman that's still getting beaten every day when she Absolutely comes home you know not. what I mean right and so it's like it is a step but it's not enough and it's not fast enough it's not bold enough it's not we I don't know. It's it's a weird place to be in because you definitely you have to celebrate that that it is being talked about, it's being discussed, and it's being brought to the forefront of the conversations. You have, but you can't get happy. You can't by any means be satisfied with with that. And that's what tends to happen a lot of times. Is we get happy with just it's like abortion in the United States. Ten years ago, everybody was or all all Christians, most Christians, I should say. 98% of Christians were anti-abortion, period. Now, we come to now, and those same Christians who say they're anti-abortion are celebrating that late-term abortions are illegal. Well, that, that's a sticky conversation anyway, but late-term abortions have never been t- technically a normal thing by any means. But why are we celebrating that when there's still kids getting aborted every day? So you just get callous to something and you become, and, and it is a politics game, right? We know that. It's, you get, they allow you to get callous to something, callous to something, and then they throw you a small little, you know, you get a cookie when you haven't eaten in six weeks and they convince you that you've eaten a seven course meal and, you know, you should be full and happy. And that's not what it is. It doesn't, I mean, great, there shouldn't be late term abortions, but I'm, I'm not even willing to celebrate that because there's still, Abortions, like there's still early term abortions or whatever, you know, it's the same thing. Because by you, maybe I'm wrong, but by me celebrating that, I feel like I'm feeding into the argument that, oh, it's not a baby until it's fully formed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, no late term abortions. Hooray. That's not, you know what I mean? Like, there's still, what, 98% of abortions, if not 99.9, are not late term. And so it's like how you celebrate that when it's not been abolished yet. And I, I get people are saying it's a step, but it's not really a step. It's just pre- presented as a step so that everybody can be happy and continue to vote however, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with abused women here is, is it is being talked about and we, d- we do have to celebrate that. But at the same time, that there's a woman that's still getting punched in the face every day. You know, there's a woman, somebody's gonna get killed today. There's somebody's wife or girlfriend is gonna get killed today in Bolivia. That's the reality and it sounds so doom and dark for me to say that. But that's the truth. It's the reality. Somebody's going to get killed by their drunk boyfriend or husband or whatever today. And so it's very hard for me to say, yeah, we're talking about it. Awareness. Well, they're aware. Like, I I don't don't want to get too far because then I get critical of like all these movements of the end it movement and all that. And I'm not that's not my point to criticize any of that. Awareness has its place, but it's like. Oh, okay. Like, you know. But that's, that's meant to drive us to action. And here, we haven't been moved to action yet. And for, furthermore, for the church, we shouldn't need a political person to speak up 
a popular person to speak up to drive us to look to, to to seek justice for these people that are being abused and beat down or whatever. That should be in our DNA and who we are. We should pursue that regardless, regardless of what you know Donald Trump or Barack Obama or anybody else is doing. Regardless of that, we should have already been seeking justice, regardless of whose policies are or aren't or whatever. Instead of sitting around just waiting and then thinking that our only hope and our only victory is in what they decide to do. No, like that's you're giving your power away, you know. And it's like, I don't know, I just think we're called to be justice seekers. And as the church, we can't just sit around and wait on politicians to talk about and make laws about anti-abuse. There's several ways you can attack it. And that's what we're trying to do, right? And through solid churches, we want to reach families, men, women, children. Simon's over the children's church. Rudy's over the young, uh, what is it, uh, youth group. Rudy's over the youth group. We have adult service on Sunday morning. You know, so we want to reach generations with our church. We, want to, we don't want to reach just women either. We want to reach men as well. So we want to reach all these people with the gospel. The gospel, obeying the gospel, creates a transformation, you know, so on and so forth, whatever. So you, we want to see lives transformed through that. Right. So, and that's our way of doing it. But also, like, engaging in the lives of men and women and adults and changing the way they see things through the lens of the gospel so you can stop beating your wife up. But then on the other end of it, too, we want to be able to provide a, a safe place for women to be able to come and seek shelter and seek refuge and, or whatever, uh, away from an abusive situation and provide a way of a, escape. And I think we're called to do all of that. I, I mean, I, that's, I, I, I'll go, I, I know we're called to do all that as Christians, not just as Ramon, Melinda, or Simon, or who, whoever, Red Roots, or Latin Link. Like, we're, that's not, I think as believers, we're called to do it. Now, our level of involvement on each thing is a different thing, but we're called to seek justice for people who are being abused and ran over by society or whatever, you know? And I think... I don't know. That's a situation that we see. And for us to do nothing, again, as most, I'm not saying all, but vast majority of churches are doing absolutely nothing. Not even talking about it. Not even talking about it. I feel like talking about it is the least that you can do a lot of times. Well, we've just become so comfortable ignoring issues that don't affect us. So I'm not, I'm not an abused woman, so I don't really need to talk, you know, it's like racism. No one wants to talk about racism. I'm not a racist. No one asked you where you're racist, <laughs> like, you know? Like, is it an issue or is it not an issue? So let's talk about it, you know. But I don't know. What are you going to say? Yeah, I think that um, um, even just thinking about how it is, you were talking about justice and how it is right to find safety and provide a place of safety for abused women and children, right? But what I love is that as a church, our mission is, is also a restoration of families, right? And mm-hmm. so in, in, in the situation about the, the couple that you mentioned is that our prayer is for the alcoholic husband mm-hmm. to, Absolutely. to be restored so that he can, you know, be whole and healthy and, and, and love God and, and lead his family in the ways of the Lord um, and be able to love them um, the way Christ loved the church. And so, so it's not just like, oh, let's keep you safe. That's an immediate immediate need yeah. right yeah but the the help offered to the husband is is also it's a long-term need and it's a process that requires him being you know accountability being walked with it's a uh it's walk, Cou- counseling because where's that even yeah. come from for that the you both think of it's them okay right the children you're you like the, it is a very long process maybe that's the thing is it's a long process and maybe we don't want to commit to that as you know a lot of times as believers or whatever but yeah, you're right. I think we often tend to throw people out. He's bad. She's good. Let's help her. And to an, to an extent, that's right. But at the same time, like 
he's doing this because he's hurting someone. And this, I'm not saying he's a victim, that he's not a victim. But he, why he's acting out like this? Because at some point he has been a victim of something. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's something that maybe he's gone through something that I went through as well, but my reaction to it is different. But it doesn't mean that he's any less the victim. I can't, we were talking about this the other day. I can't say just because he didn't react to something the same way I did that it's invalid. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's subjective. So if, he, if it's affected him, then it's affected him. And let's get to the bottom of this because and we talked about this in church yesterday. Is As Jesus is on the cross, he says, which is the craziest thing. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I think we take that as just like he's just kind of babbling our words. But he's praying. He's talking to his heavenly father, his father in heaven. Like, he's praying for these people who are currently persecuting him. I mean, and then it says in the next verse, and as they get, or something about, they're gambling for his clothes as he's saying that. So in the middle of their, like, just making fun of him and just completely trashing this guy, hanging him naked on the cross, naked on the cross, and, like, you making fun of him, they've spit on him, they've put this crown on his head, and I don't know, I don't know if at that point they've done that. But it doesn't matter. This is the process that's taking place. They beat him up the day before, gave him all these lashes and whatever. And then for him to be on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. He goes into prayer, praying for these people, his, his what? His abusers, praying for his now. I'm not talking to woman, abuse woman. Abuse, I'm talking to church. Mm-hmm. There is, if, if there's still hope for people, if he can still pray for forgiveness for those people, then us too have to pray for forgiveness. And where possible, sometimes it's not possible. But where possible, reach abusers. Reach abusers as well. Now, not at the sake of abuse, right? We want to protect them and keep them safe. But at the same time, like, no one is beyond the reach of God. Like, and so it's just recognizing that. And if Jesus can say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, can can our prayer not be something similar for the person? Instead of just making it so easy and cut and dry, she's good, he's bad, let's throw him out. Um, Definitely let's confront the situation. And again, there's a case by case. Like I know, I know there's some sensitive things here, but my point is that it's not as simple as just throwing people out. Like we should, we should be praying for his salvation, for his help, for his, you know, reaching out to him even to be able to grow. And I don't know, what do you need? And that's a very hard thing to do in men's ministry because men just don't. That's not. They don't want to talk about their issues. What issues? I don't have no issues. You know, that's typically the response. And, well, are you drinking? I, I drink because I want to drink. You know, like it's not, well, if you, it wasn't for her. She drives me crazy. You don't know. You know, you get into all that stuff, which, you know, it's fine. And no one, but no one wants to really sit through that. But, you know, if that's what's necessary for him to, to, to come to a place of healing, then that's what it should, you know, that's what we should be doing. And again, I, I understand I'm, making, I'm generalizing something that's not simple at all. But at least I, I don't see those. Um, Steps being taken a lot of times in churches and, and, and stuff like that, too, because it's tough, man. It's frustrating and they're problematic a lot of times and stuff like that. But that's what Father forgive them for they know not what they do is about. You know, it's like there's still time for salvation, you know, wake them up to the reality of who they are and who what they're doing and the lives they're living and so on and so forth. And that, I think that should be our prayer as a church for those. But these abusive situations are really tough. Yeah, I think that because they are, you see immediate effects to it, it makes it hard to, to look at it and say, man, we're, that's all the way in phase four. So, like, the patience that it requires to, to know that you have to build certain things before we can 
just jump in to open up a house and you know there's legal things that need yeah. to be worked out with the government and then there's physical needs that need to be met and then well, you're always one check away yeah somebody write the check i mean you still gotta do the legal stuff but it gets you it, it, it changes the whole yeah like it changes the whole you know the what is it called like the whole process of how fast or not fast things come along yeah. But also, um, we'd like to have some space for refugees. That's the thing that's big now in South America specifically is um, Venezuelan refugees. Uh, Venezuela's in just shambles, shambles. Uh, you have to wait in line for almost uh, over a day sometimes for toilet paper and, and diapers and stuff like that. Um, so people by the masses are, are exiting uh not Colombia, Venezuela. And so they're going to different places as immigrants to start over. And um, so we've, we've seen them here in Trinidad, actually, at you know at the stoplight. There's a stoplight by the bus station in town. And what they're doing is they, they get enough money to come, like, by, by, um, by, like, route or by stop or whatever, I guess you can say. So they'll leave. I asked one guy, I stopped him, I was talking to him with Abel, and um, he, was, he said that they left Venezuela and they went to Brazil somewhere in Brazil, and they stayed in Brazil, like, and, like, basically begged for money to be able to get to the next, as far as they can get, and that was Trinidad, and so they're out at Trinidad, and they're asking for money to get to the next, and they're trying to get to Lima, Peru, in a long term, and that's the long-term goal, because I asked him, I said, where are you, where is the goal, where is the stop, and he said, in Lima, Peru, and I said, oh, okay, and he's like, well, that's just because there's opportunity there, he said, but I guess anywhere, if, if there's opportunity for us, then we would, we would just live there. He said, we live here if somebody offered us a job, you know. And, uh, but there's a, there's a big need for, you know, I just, I can't imagine. I have two daughters, obviously. Um, and then Melinda, like, I can't imagine being in a place. To, uh, I grew up in a place my whole life. I worked my whole life and try to support my family my whole life and have my kids. And I just get to the day, I can't imagine it getting bad enough to where I say, we just need to hop on the bus, put our backpacks on, and leave everything we know behind and get on the bus with an unknown destination to start over. And just to an uncertain destination, like maybe Lima. And even if we, okay, so let's say I'm certain about Lima. I want to go to Lima, a place I've never been. I don't know anyone there. I don't know if I'm even going to be able to find a job. And it, uh, Lima has a lot of crime, too. It's, people don't talk a lot about that, but it's, there's a lot of crime in Lima. And if I'm, you know, a person in poverty, now my kids are more exposed to that crime as well. Like, it's, there's just a, a, a nest of, of mess and issues. And then to be arriving on illegal status, it's even harder to find opportunities. Yeah. And I, well, I think you can get, like, immigration status and stuff like that. Or, oh, like what, a, was refugee? a refugee. Yeah, okay. refugee or whatever. I think. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure because, yeah, they're in shambles. Um, but, you know, I just can't imagine as a man, a husband and a father having to do that. I can't imagine it. And so for me, again, I'm looking at the church like, okay, what is, what, is your, what is your place in this? And then you just see in the Bible, like people, I mean, you see Elijah, he's out somewhere and this, this widow lady takes him in to take care of him and stuff. And he's God's prophet or whatever, but like, he's a guy that is in need and she takes care of him and she gives him her last meal. That's what, so she thinks, right? She makes him with her last piece of meal or whatever, makes a cake or whatever for him and you know, obviously it replenishes and stuff, but still, like, she's giving it to him. And I just, you know, you just see constant, there's, in the Old Testament specifically, a lot of talking about taking care of uh, refugees and stuff like, and I'm like, 
I can't see these people as bad. Some of them are bad, I guarantee you. Some of them are crooks or criminals, I, I guarantee you. Um, but to classify, like, I, you see, we drove, was it with you? We drove past the other day and there was like, they had kids and stuff. Like, I, I just can't, I just can't imagine that. And as a church, I just feel like, man, least we can do is give them a place to stay for a week or two until they can move on. Or yeah. I, don't, I don't know what, you know, or if they want to get established here in Trinidad, then get, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have, but to be, at least have a refuge, just sleeping on the street in the corner with their kid, at least have a good meal. At least that. They can come have a good meal and sit down with your family and you can rest, right? Like you can just rest shower. For, for, yeah, shower just for a few days. And maybe that's an answer. You can just go out and pick people up and bring them to shower and just let them kind of have a day of rest and then they can move on with their journey if they want to continue on to wherever. But I, I just feel like the church should be a part of this. We all know what's going on in Venezuela. None of us are in agreement with it. We all, oh, and the Facebook posts amongst Christians are oh, destroying Venezuela, destroying it. And, you know, the socialism stuff, but it's not really just about socialism. It's about um, corruption and just like big time, deep corruption and stuff. And Again, injustices, you know, people just an unjust government taking advantage of people and taking advantage of the vulnerable people specifically and making themselves rich and benefiting off of off of, you know, their, the downfall of the, of the poor people. And so I don't know. I just I, I think as a, I, as a church, we should have a we should play a part in that. We should not just our church as the church, God's church, the bride of Christ. We should play a part. And at least helping these people in their journey. At least, like, again, we see this in the Bible all the time. People are traveling and they have a place to stay and they're here. And, there's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why more of us aren't doing anything. Our church just doesn't have the funds and the resources right now. We literally don't. And so, but it's, fr- it's frustrating to me because I'm like, man, this is an emergency. This is urgent. Like, there's people out there right now. Mm-hmm. There's possibly a little girl sitting out there and it's raining right now. And I'm complaining because it's raining in the background of my podcast. But again, now I put myself in the father's shoes. Now I'm holding a sign asking for money to get to the next stop. My daughter and my wife are sitting there in the rain. As I'm like, the, you know, I think everybody deserves to be treated with dignity. Yeah. And it's just restoring dignity, even if only for two or three days. And so they can be able to move on to the next place. And so anyway, I can talk about that a lot more. So, but. I don't, that's that. That's the idea, but behind the refuge and stuff, and to be able to help people with that. Um, next, businesses. We've been talking about businesses a little bit, and just to be able to help sustain the ministry. Um, yeah, and so these are these are more dreams than anything. But we'd like to have a leather shop, um, producing like leather goods, leather backpacks, leather. Uh, what was it? I have it written down somewhere, but um, leather backpacks, leather purses, like stuff like that. Just like good quality leather, though, not just like. Hey, let's cut this out. This helps support refugees. Like, you know, yeah. depending. We want it to be like products that are good enough to just sell, period. Not just sold because they That's go for a cause. cause. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, want something that people can use and they can wear and get a lot of use out of and stuff like that. So that'd be cool to have a leather shop, some stuff. It'd be great to be able to export some of that into the United States and be able to sell them and stuff like that. And you have the calls as like a bonus, right? The calls is the, is the cherry on top. Um Leather shop, furniture shop, sounds like a weird thing to say, but uh, you don't have a couch or anything, do you? No. And so, yeah, we've lived here for eight years in Bolivia, I think, in total, something like that. Yeah. Couches are terrible. I mean, just stiff, terrible, terrible, terrible. Now, you can buy nice couches, 
we literally in Cochabamba, we asked about a couch because it was comfortable. And we hadn't seen a comfortable couch in forever. Except for the old school couches. Like, uh, remember the Washingtons had that destroyed couch? Mm-hmm. But it was comfortable. What? And it was like the arms were all scratched up. But they kept it for too long because it was way more comfortable. We have a comfortable couch um, that someone brought from the States. I mean, it looks like it's from 1991 or something. <laughs> but it's the most comfortable couch probably in our whole neighborhood. Yeah, not probably. Guaranteed in our whole neighborhood. And so... Um, when you, so we, if you do see a comfortable couch and you sit on it, we priced one in Cochabamba's $4,000. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Dollars. Not Bolivian, U.S. dollars. It's just absurd. It's a racket, really, right? And so um, anytime you see a decent, comfortable piece of furniture, and not even that nice. Like, it's not elegant. It's no. just they, they're, they're, they're going to cost $1,500 at least to $2,000. And so it would be cool to be able to do a furniture shop. So people can have nice furniture, comfortable furniture more than nice even. I mean, nice too, but you know what I mean? Like comfortable stuff they can sit on. It, like for me, having a, a comfortable couch promotes community as well. People want to come, they feel good sitting on your couch. They'll sit there for a long time. If your back is hurting, I'm not trying to sit down and shoot the breeze with you if my back is messed we up. We wouldn't even sit in our own living room when our, we had those little wooden couches. Yeah. I hate it when people come over because, I mean, I had to sit on the couch. It's like, oh, man, somebody's here. And they go sit my back stiff on the couch. Couches were terrible, terrible. But so it would be cool to be able to provide for a need, but also be able to um, make money to support the, the ministry as well. Affordable couches, affordable but comfortable couches. It's, it's, total, it's a total possibility. That's not an issue at all. And all of these jobs provide jobs, right? Yeah, exactly. Provide jobs as well. And then, um, again, the, the, the dreams, we'll, I don't know, we'll see if we ever even get there. But those are the goals. And then also um, an electric guitar and bass shop. We like to make electric guitars and basses, basically carpentry at this point. Um, they like to produce those things Bolivian made Bolivian but again with good components good quality not a, not just hey this supports ministry like I hate that for us I don't like when we do t-shirts like we buy nice t-shirts or what we think is nice at least like good quality and try to sell them for cheap we don't like we made t-shirts last time we lost money on it but it was just about like we wanted people to like remember us represent us and have t-shirts and stuff but we weren't going to buy the cheapest T-shirts possible and slap some, you know, just lazy design on it and say, oh, hey, look, it's for a cause. Like, we wanted people to have good quality T-shirts. And so many people have written me like, hey, man, it's, I still have this T-shirt. It's so comfortable. It's my favorite T-shirt, whatever. And that makes me happy because it's not like, oh, yeah, I bought this shirt to support Red Roots Well, Simon wouldn't know, so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not yet. I, I think we have some still in the States. Stowed we away should just some. come up with like an edition, like a Simon edition t-shirt for Red Roots mm. since everybody loves them. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> what would you put on a Simon edition shirt though? A vector of his face. Oh, well. <laughs> well, that would eliminate the Red Roots shirt. It would just be a Simon shirt. <laughs> yeah. And make his eyes ours. Yeah. Oh boy. This is getting ugly real fast. All of a sudden, I'm not that keen on a, on a Red Roots t-shirt. <laughs> I have to work on it. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so, I don't know. The idea is to just produce quality goods and then be able to bring money into the ministry and sustain itself or whatever. Um, and the village part of it, we talked the villages, the last section or whatever, um, we would like to be working in villages. And uh, now we, we know four den- dentists now. We knew three dentists a few weeks ago. Now there's a new guy that moved to our neighborhood, and he's part of our community or whatever. So he's a dentist as well. So we know four dentists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it dentist or dentists? Well, I think there's only one T at the end. You said dentists. It's more than one. What dentists? 
Dentists. Okay. Dentists. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm yeah, pretty I'm sure it's dentists. 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 Yeah. There's an S on the end. Oh. That's what I was saying in the beginning. Dentists. Don't need to say like you guys dentists. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man. And so what we know. And so anyways, we could take them. We work. Well, we do. We the Fundacion Tote, the uh, clinic that we're in right now, is open to doing projects and stuff with us. Actually, they want to start doing some like soft medical trips here when it stops raining. And so they actually asked me the other day. I haven't mentioned to any of you guys yet, but um, they mentioned uh, about the possibility of us as a church going and doing activities or us as Red Roots going with them and doing some type of activities if we want to. Um, hadn't gotten to that yet because there's so much other stuff going on. But yeah, anyways, so we want to be able to work in villages, at least have two or three villages where we're working in. And with um, if there's not a church there, then work towards planning a church there. And if there is a church there, then working with the pastors, taking books and materials and stuff like that, um, going and doing courses with them, for them, whatever, and just help support the pastors that are already existing and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's that. Good talk. Yeah. I feel, it feels like Simon walked out and then just came back in. We were talking about the Red Roots. Just wandering around. Yeah. <laughs> you have any thoughts on any of this? No, only that it looks good. All right. <laughs> but, uh, you cover it in a lot of detail. <laughs> and I've heard it a couple of times. You have, unfortunately. But, unfortunately, uh, but... No, it's all looks good. And it all links into one another. And, you know, I think you made it clear when we did phase one and things like that, there's no time limit on these things. So if the opportunity comes up tomorrow to start on something that's on phase four and we're in the right time to yeah. do it and things are going well like say for example money comes in and we get a place to do a ref refugee shelter or whatever like say somehow that happens yeah. tomorrow we're not just going to go whoa, 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 whoa. That's, yeah yeah that's phase four yeah um so i think because it still fits even yeah. now it still yeah, yeah, fits it's just yeah. we don't have the um but equally it's good to be realistic in what we have and and, mm -hmm. and where we should work to and what we can do in the here and now so we're not just I think it becomes easy to live in phase four without actually doing anything, to, to live in the dream mode um, and just be like, oh, I can't wait till we get to phase four and then never actually do phase one, two yeah, or three. Because you're just so living in the, oh, but wouldn't it be great when we get to phase four moment? Mm. Um, so I think to know that we have phase one, two and three and that this is what we're working on now so that we can get to phase four so that it all links in together. Yeah. Um, I think that helps keep people motivated and on board and you know yeah. what we're doing today works for the vision of of phase four and things um because you know i saw when i was in santa cruz uh a month ago now or so the there were a lot of things there that really affected me um that city that city's on a knife edge of like it, it's like the booming economy part of bolivia like at, on one hand it's getting so rich I mean, on the other hand, it's getting so poor and the gap just grows and grows and grows and grows as more people invest and more money comes in. Um, like you start, you, you go to parts of the city now and, you, and you've got the glass skyscrapers and those fancy buildings with the guards outside and the big wide metal fences all the way around. And then you cross the road and you've got slums starting to be built, mm -hmm. and, you know, ironed how, you know, yeah. like tin roof houses yeah. and things like that being built right across the other side of the road. And that's just starting now. Um, and you're like, okay, that in a, a year's time, two years time, how how much bigger is that going to get that gap going to have got? And then I remember speaking to Ramon, and it's just like, wouldn't it be awesome if we were able to get to a position where not only can we help the refugees that are 
passing through Trinidad, but we can also have something that goes, oh, we've got space in our refugee program here. And if someone know if someone's in Santa Cruz and mm-hmm. they've met a refugee family in Santa Cruz yeah. to be like, hey, there's a charity in Trinidad who would be able to help you guys out. Um, so doing, being able to be in a place where we could help other or be involved in other cities, yeah. things and, and things like that as well. Absolutely. Because um, like if we open the refuge and shelter and we did it on a national level, mm. that we would need a whole staff, yeah. missionaries, like it would be it would be packed. It would be absolutely packed. Yeah. Like waiting list and so it would you know and so the the possibilities for this stuff is is, is the necessity for this stuff is there and the possibility is there as well. Mm-hmm. It's just you know you ha- we had to make a process for it, like you were saying, and be able to get there. Thanks for doing. Um, yeah, something you said too is you were saying if something pops up early, then like we do it, with, and that's something that I think we mentioned it last week, but something that's happened now. Mm-hmm is with um we did the school ministries or whatever and i yeah i mentioned it last week but we weren't sure yeah. or something like that i can't remember what it was yeah, yeah you it, said that nothing's written in, i mean it's not ever really sure until you're doing, doing it yeah you're that's doing right it. yeah i did say that and that's true um however it's a it's as sure as possible now that's something that we had in phase three we want to do more court again you guys did it last year um and we want to do it a little bit we wanted to be able to do more full-blown courses and stuff in phase three uh, these people reached out to us and asked us to come. And yeah, last week it was go to this city called Reyes. Yeah. And so, but that's, they called back and asked us to do two more towns um, in, the, in that same part of the country or whatever. So it went from a two day trip to now it's a five day trip. It went from a two day trip to a four day trip. And then when we phoned them oh, last time, right. she added another five day, day trip. <laughs> so from now it's March 2nd to March 6th. By, by this Wednesday, it's going to be March 2nd to March 30th. <laughs> yeah. And so, anyways, it's a great opportunity for us. It's a huge thing. So it popped up and it was something that we had to make a decision like, okay, are we going to do this or are we not going to do this? And um, so obviously we're going to do it. But it is totally unexpected, and it's something that we had planned for the future. And we, but you can't control it. You can't control when, how those doors open. And it's something that, and we'll have to talk about this more next week, maybe. But um, it's something that we've been kind of pushing for. It's kind of a bridging, uh, making a bridge for the sacred to the secular. There's a lot of, there's a huge divide for churches and stuff that they're not able to, uh, for whatever reason, they're not. Some church groups aren't just respected and stuff in different. I don't know why. I just, that's a different thing. We can talk about it later. But um, anyways, they reached out to us. That, that's a big deal. Like, not only are we able to do this, we can go to the city. We can, we're, you know, going to three three cities, but every school in each city. We're doing every school. That's, that's According to her, that's what she said. We're doing, so there's eight schools in Reyes. We're doing all eight of them. There's, I don't remember how many schools in Renovaque. We're doing, I think, but we're doing all of them. You'll be there for two days. Right? Yeah, we'll be in Renovaque for two days and be in Reyes for two days. And then Santa Rosa, they probably have like two schools there. But we'll do, we're doing all of them. So we're getting to do all these schools in these towns. And we're getting to, you know, it's making a huge connection. And again, like the big, the kicker is they came to us. They asked us. And that's kind of what we've been looking for. So we're going to do it. And we're going to, um, so yeah, March 2nd through March 6th. That's, uh, yeah, I, I, I meant to bring this up at the beginning. But this, you, you said things come out and it made me think about it. When things come out of order or whatever. And so, but it's just, a, I don't know, I feel like God opened the door. And so we're going to walk through it and do that. And so keep us in your prayers for that as we do that. And we'll keep you updated. I think we can talk more about that next week, um, just about the details and about how it is a big deal. And I've been like kind of trying to play it off 
and like downplay it because I don't I don't know. There's so much other stuff to be thinking about and whatever, but it's a big deal. And so, did you want to talk about the fun the fundraiser or something? Mm, Not now. Yeah, we're just out of time and stuff. But we can do okay. another thing. But yeah. So, anyways, you good? I think we're at our time limit, yep. close to it at least. I'm good. All right. Well, that's uh, phase four, um, and that's it for that. That's it for the the phases of ministry. So I don't know if you have any questions, feel free to write any of us really. Um, no problem at all on Facebook, on Instagram. Simon doesn't have Twitter and he just started using YouTube recently. So don't write them on there. <laughs> no, uh, you, no, you can email us or what, any way you want to reach us. You can reach out to us. If you have any questions or I don't know, whatever opinions, whatever you want to share. Um, we're open to hearing them. Yeah, so thanks for listening to this. Thanks for um, being part of this journey and part of our ministry and just uh, loving us, supporting us, and yeah, and all the good stuff. Um, we appreciate you. We appreciate everything that you guys do for us, and um, we really do. I, I mean, I, I look for something else to say after that, but like, there's no, not really words to say, but we really appreciate it. And um, Yeah, so thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Provecho.